We are back here, episode 15 of Journey into Paul's Imagination. I'm in a great mood. Um, Lindsay and I finally booked our wedding venue, so we're actually going to be talking about some Disney wedding slash proposal stuff towards the end of the episode. Um, also, in less than a week, we're going on our first ever Disney cruise, so I'm super excited um, to experience that and also to come back and share everything that I experienced on that cruise. So I can promise you once I get back that I will have plenty of stuff to cover for those who have either been on a Disney cruise before or who haven't. Um, I'm excited to experience it as a first timer. I've actually, um, growing up, we went on a lot of cruises. So this will probably be like my probably like my eighth or ninth cruise I've ever been on, but primarily we would do carnival and then I've been on one Royal Caribbean ship. So I'm very excited, very excited for all of that's coming up, but there's also a lot of exciting parks news that has come out within the last week. Um, so I'm going to start it off with really the biggest piece of park news. And that is at Disney's Hollywood studios, the, what will be the greatest show on Disney property when it reopens in November 2022 next month, Fantasmic. I am so excited for Fantasmic to return. They're really – words can't explain how excited I am. Um, when Happily Ever After was around, Fantasmic was my number two show at Disney property. Um, and only because I love Happily Ever After with everything in me, but – Fantasmic is just an iconic show. Um, for many who had grown up going to whether it was MGM or even when it switched to Disney's Hollywood Studios, um, Fantasmic was an iconic show to end your trip off. Or maybe you're like me and um, caught Fantasmic later in life. My first time seeing Fantasmic was back in 2017, and I loved it. I love the music. I think it has one of the best finales of any Disney show out there. Um, and it just, it just feels like, it just feels as Disney as it gets, you know, you get to experience all the characters in such a fun way. Um, and I'm excited. I mean, it's been, it's been probably, I think the last time I've seen Fantasmic was actually in Disneyland in February, 2020. So we're almost talking three years that I've personally seen it. Um, it's almost been three years since anyone's seen it. So this is, I mean, just super exciting news. Um, yes, there are some changes. The Pocahontas scene reportedly is not returning, and there's going to be an update, um, which I do like the Pocahontas scene a lot, so that's a bummer. But I remain optimistic of what will replace that scene, um, so we'll see what happens. The biggest piece that I'm really excited for is just, and hopefully this is what this is referring to, is just some of the technical updates. Um, if you had seen Fantasmic pre-COVID, you would, or just if you've ever seen Fantasmic, I think you could agree that the water scenes um, took up a heavy portion of the show. And probably if that's going to continue to be the case, it needed to be updated. So I'm really hoping we see that update. Um, I've all I've fully been on board for Fantasmic refurbishment for a while now. Um, so I hope that it was done its justice. I know that obviously this whole time it was closed wasn't just due to the refurb. You know, there was a lot of it that was COVID related, but I do hope that they were able to take this time and give it some love, give it some updates that are needed, but, um, provide a, a better, bigger and better show than 
we're used to. So I'm very, very excited to see um, what Fantasmic will be. I'd be happy if they threw in some surprises and we got the updated Maleficent Dragon that's over at Disneyland. Um, or maybe just an additional scene that doesn't replace anything. So we'll see what happens, but... It's coming back November 2022. We don't have a solidified date yet, but hopefully we will get that soon. One thing I do want to say, though, with Fantasmic returning and just something that I think um, should be the case, I really hope that Disney is smart enough and has two showings of Fantasmic at night. Um, often you'll see two showings of Fantasmic at night in very busy seasons. Um, granted, November, it's going to get busy coming up to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving week is very busy. Um, you have the first weekend of November, which is wine and dine. Any run Disney event weekend is very busy. Um, Toss and Veterans Day weekend, that's also a busy weekend. Um, Fantasmic needs two showings a night, probably for the first two months that it's open. It's just that popular of a show, and it. It does sell out. Um, you know, if you've never been to Fantasmic before, there I don't want to say limited seating, but there is limited seating. It's not a fireworks show at Magic Kingdom or at Epcot where you can fill up as much space within the park. Um, there is only a certain capacity that Fantasmic can hold, and most nights it, it fills it. So on a for a show that has not um that has not been running for almost three years now. We'll definitely have a heavy crowd that will come. So it's a thought that I really hope that Disney takes into consideration um, just because, you know, I want to see it. I want everyone to see it. Um, and I want to make sure that this it doesn't become a nightmare because it's an it's a great experience. Even just going into the theater, the like pre-show, the atmosphere, it's great. And you don't want to take that away by having to show up two hours early for the show. Um, you know, you already have to show up like an hour, you know, 45 minutes to an hour early. So I'd like that not to be any longer than it already has to be. Um, we received some dining news for uh, Walt Disney World. Monsieur Paul over at the France Pavilion is opening October 18th. I didn't realize how expensive this restaurant was. It's one of the 20 or 21 restaurants that I had not eaten at yet. Um, it's $195 a person. I was actually talking to a friend about trying it, but I'm like, this might not, this might need to be on the back burner for a little bit. But um, it is open October 18th, uh, which is actually today or whenever you listen to it, it is open. So that's a piece of dining news. Um, there's some other or another Epcot restaurant that's also reopening, which is um, – Akershus Royal Banquet Hall, which is going to open November 4th. Uh, this is over in the Norway Pavilion in the World Showcase. This is a family-style dining um, that I've heard the food is unique. Um, it also has all the Disney princesses that are there. This is another restaurant that I have never been to. So this will actually probably be one that's higher on my list. Um, it's outside of Cinderella's Royal Table. This is probably the top princess really the only other princess dining I've never done. Um, I want to experience it. I, I've I've heard pretty good things. A lot of people actually say it's the better version of Cinderella's Royal Table. And it's open again, which I feel like it, it's needed to be open. So I'll be excited to hopefully try this at some point. 
Uh, heading over to the resorts at Disney's Polynesian Resort, Kona Cafe was under refurbishment, and it's actually going to be reopening November 1st. I'm excited for this because Kona to me, Kona Cafe is one of the most underrated restaurants on property. Um, I don't have my list in front of me to tell you where I have it, but it's very underrated. The food's very good. In my opinion, if you want a more affordable version of some of the food items that you could get at Ohana, Kona Cafe is great. Um, I've enjoyed pretty much everything that I've gotten there, and I'm excited to see what the new, you know, what the restaurant's going to look like now. Pre-COVID, it you know it felt very true to the resort, which was nice, but it didn't really have an ambiance, so to say. So I'm intrigued to see what they do, how they redesign it. Um, so I'm hoping that I'll be able – this is another restaurant that I hope I'll be able to to return to and experience. Um, and then another one, I didn't realize that this was even an update, but I guess Tusker House Restaurant was not doing buffet style. Well, now they are. Um, so you're able to go back there. I have only gone once. Um, I enjoyed it. I don't love the food at Disney's Animal Kingdom, even for sit-downs. But um, if you're a Tusker House person, November 1st, uh, it'll be transitioning to all-you-can-eat buffet style. So um, check it out if that's on your list of things to do. Um, but yeah, there's some uh, some dining updates which i'm excited about as a as a disney foodie i always love when um when there's restaurants that have reopened especially with covid or we get new menu items which i'll talk about one restaurant that i return to um later in the show so just exciting stuff um for my annual pass holders who like to collect popcorn buckets there's actually going to be a new disney annual pass holder popcorn bucket coming october 25th I'm a little bit bummed because we didn't get to see what it looks like, and I'm on my cruise during that time, so <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that it's not a great-looking one, so that way I don't feel bad that I probably will miss out on it, but if you are a pass holder looking to get it, October 25th, that's the date that you'll see it. Um, Now, before I get over to Disneyland, we did get some uh, Run Disney news. I totally forget how quickly Wine and Dine Weekend is approaching. Um, I think with my cruise coming up, I'm so focused on that that I can't that I forget that there's a literal Run Disney event happening the week after. But we got the uh, we got the race tracks for Wine and Dine, um, and I'm really excited. So the 5K is the one that I'm running, and it's basically ran all throughout Epcot. Um, starts in the parking lot, then kind of enters behind Test Track, and then all throughout the World Showcase. So I think that's a great um, – it's a really great map to have. I've only done one run Disney 5K, and that was at Disney's Animal Kingdom, so I really don't know what to expect in terms of the track. Um, the 10K – I last year's Wine and Dine 10K had such a great layout. You basically started from – you would park at Epcot – and then you would shuttle over to Magic Kingdom and you would leave from the Magic Kingdom parking lot, go down World Drive, cut into Disney's Hollywood Studios, through Yacht and Boardwalk Yacht and Beach, and then into Epcot. It just – that was my first one in person and I felt like that was an awesome track. I mean I love – I know this sounds stupid, but I love running on World Drive. I love driving on World Drive. Um, and I just thought it was really cool to run from the – 
from the Magic Kingdom parking lot and just the whole idea of like taking a shuttle over it just it was really interesting um and I didn't feel like it was as crowded as my other run Disney events probably because not every spectator was going to take the shuttle over um but instead this time it's just kind of looping around so it's not as fun of a track unfortunately for those who are running it then we have the half marathon track which looks just very congested you're kind of Going in a lot of circles, I think it's similar to the one that I ran when I did my 10-miler, um, a little bit longer. And, I mean, those who are running it, they get to run all throughout Disney's Hollywood Studios, which is great. Um, Going to get to run through all of Epcot, which is great. I just, I don't know. I personally, like, I'm really hoping that half marathon weekend for marathon weekend, um my half marathon during Walt Disney World Marathon weekend. I'm really hoping that the half marathon goes through Magic Kingdom. Um, I feel like running through Magic Kingdom is just some of the best experience. Even though I didn't finish my run Disney marathon last year, the just the feeling of running through Magic Kingdom was, there was nothing like it. Um, so I'm really hoping that uh, that's the case for me. But anyways, that's kind of my thoughts on the, on the run Disney paths. Got... Uh, less than three weeks until that comes out. So I'm excited. You know, it'll give me something to, to wipe away my tears after the cruise is over. Over to Disneyland, a little news. Magic Man Plus is debuting at Disneyland October 26th. Um, as you already know, Magic Man Plus has been at Walt Disney World for a few months now. I think it's been a few months. Um, so our Disneyland folks will have a chance to now get to utilize it. And it was mentioned that you can use your Magic Band Plus both at Disneyland and at Walt Disney World. So it's not like it's one for one park. Um, last thing in my parks news, there was a comment made by a Disney executive that – and I think this was at San Diego Comic-Con. Or I forget where this was. But it was a comment that there's going to be a character at Disneyland's Oogie Boogie Bash in 2023 that will break people's brains. And it had me thinking because we're – Lindsay and I are planning to go to Disneyland next year uh, for Halloween. It's it's always been a dream of mine to do that. I'm a huge Nightmare Before Christmas fan, so I really want to experience the Nightmare Before Christmas overlay at Haunted Mansion. Um, I have yet to see Avengers Campus. as a massive Marvel fan. Um, and I just love Halloween, and Disneyland seems to do Halloween really well, so I really want to experience it. Um, so this obviously excites me as someone who is potentially going. My my top guess of like which one of these characters could be would be Thanos. I think the seeing Hulk over at Avengers Campus now is like a test of what they could do with Thanos. Um, and I mean, he's just such he's become such an iconic character. I think people would lose it if they got to experience seeing Thanos. So that's my guess. I think that truly is the character. Um, but I did include two others. My other one would be Zerg. I know this probably, it's hard because I don't know if this would break people's brains, but I do think people would be really intrigued to see a Zerg, see Zerg at, Aven uh, at Avengers Campus, at Oogie Boogie Bash, um, whether that be the live action or, I don't want to say the live action, the Lightyear version or the Toy Story version. That would be really cool. I probably would freak out more than like the collective group. Um, so that's why my third guess is Kang the Conqueror. I, I just feel like this has to be something Marvel related. 
Um, if it's going to get people to freak out, it's probably going to be something either Marvel or Star Wars. Um, Star Wars, I mean, we, we've seen Darth Vader in the parks. We've seen Kylo Ren, so I don't think it's anything um, that would follow that. I think a Thanos or Kang the Conqueror would work really well. Kang would make sense because, you know, you're going to have Ant-Man and the Quantumania that will, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania that will have released, Loki Season 2 that will have released. It's going to be a big year for Kang the Conqueror, so I'd be intrigued to see if they went that route. Um, but it also feels like a character that can realistically be in the park, so I'm sticking with Thanos. But more to come, I guess we'll find out as we uh, as we approach next Halloween. I did f- did not forget to do a new thing for annual pass holders this week, um, and I, it's actually going to lead me right into my um, one of my dining reviews this week. But my new thing for you to do is actually something new that I did, which is experience Yeehaw Bob at Disney's Port Orleans Riverside Resort. I'd be lying if I told you if I remembered the little bar, but it's next to Disney's Boatwright's Dining Hall, um, and Yeehaw Bob is just like this, like. It's like a fun, I like just like entertainment music. He plays the piano, kind of includes some humor as he's performing. Um, but the crowd gets really into it. And it's very interesting. So um, maybe grab some beignets over at um, French Quarter and then walk walk over, boat over to Riverside and experience Yeehaw Bob, Yeehaw Bob or grab some drinks over at Disney's Port Orleans Riverside and experience it. But I think he's only there Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, don't quote me on it. I don't have the specifics, but um, but something that might be worthwhile doing. Now, I think I'm going to take this out of loop a little bit. Um, normally, I'd go into entertainment news, do dinings later, but I feel like it works out this way nicely. So um, we did eat at two dinings this past week, both of which that I've been before. So the first one I want to talk about is Planet Hollywood over at Disney Springs. Now, I know this probably feels like such a basic dining review. It's Planet Hollywood. They're all around the world. Um, feels like everyone's eaten at the one at Disney Springs. But it's still a Disney dining, technically, and I want to review it. I think Planet Hollywood is actually very underrated. Um, I think that for people that are big Disney foodies like myself... And I try not to be this way, but I think it's just like a negative reputation that it's just Planet Hollywood. It's basic. But I honestly think Planet Hollywood at Disney Springs has probably the second best burger on Disney property outside of the Steakhouse 71 stack burger. Um, So this time I didn't get the one that I think is actually the best because I wanted to try something new. Um... But Lindsay got the burger that I think is probably the second best. The bacon mac and cheese burger at Planet Hollywood is incredible. It's delicious. It's massive. It's really good and flavorful. It's just a great burger. And I remember when I had it a few months ago, I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, when I had it, I'm like, this is a place I'll come back to and get a burger. Um, so if you're if you, I mean, even if you're just basic or you're with people that are basic that want basic food, I mean, Planet Hollywood doesn't hurt. It's still good. I got the primetime American Kobe burger, which was good. Um, we have every, we do the every plate meals. And uh, so this came with caramelized onion jam. So I was probably a little bit over that. Um, I also just wanted the bacon mac and cheeseburger. It's, I regretted it once I started eating the primetime American Kobe, but 
it was still good, ambiance-wise. Um, the big screen, so they used to have props, like, on, like, the bubble thing. Um, now the props are only, like, along the walls, which is still cool. Um, so there's a lot of really good props that you can see throughout the restaurant. And then there's a massive screen where they'll do, like, karaoke or they'll have, like, all types of, like, little clips. Um, so it, it's a cool ambiance, too. I was shocked to see how many people were dressed up in an elegant way because it's definitely not an elegant restaurant. But um, it's a solid restaurant. I have it 66th out of 96th on my list. I know that sounds pretty far back, but it's a solid restaurant. I definitely, like, if you're with people that aren't, like, big foodies, you're not looking to spend a lot of money, like, plan a Hollywood solid. And it's, you know, it's accessible for everybody. So I recommend then on Saturday, before Yeehaw Bob, we went to Boatwright's Dining Hall over at Disney's Port Orleans um, Riverside Resort. Now, I've been, to, uh, I've been to Boatwright's Dining Hall before, twice actually. And when I went in the past, I said it's one, it's a hidden gem. It's one of the best, or one of the best hidden restaurants in Disney property. And it still stands for me. Um, we went with a big group, so I posted on Instagram a lot of different meals. But the one specifically I got was the Taste of the Bayou, which comes with hickory smoked pork ribs, crispy Cajun chicken, smoked sausage, barbecued beef brisket, mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, roasted corn with Cajun butter, and seasonal vegetables. You also get cornbread to start. Um, Taste of the Bayou, in my opinion, is worth it. For 36 bucks. it's all you can eat. Um... You just, you know, after you finish the plate, you just ask for whatever you want more or you get the whole plate of everything. Um, the pork ribs are really good. The crispy Cajun chicken was some of the best chicken tenders I've ever had. The flavor was delicious. The crunch was really, like, they were just so stinking good. Um, I really recommend. They, the crispy chicken, crispy Cajun chicken was delicious. Um, smoked sausage was solid. The beef brisket was solid. Mashed potatoes were solid. The mac and cheese is probably, in my opinion, the best mac and cheese I've had on Disney property. It's really good. The roasted corn is good. It just, it's a very good filling meal. I mean, for 36 bucks, it's all you can eat. And I would do it just for the chicken and the mac and cheese. Out of everything I ordered, um, those were the two things that I ended up ordering again because they were so good. But we had some friends that got the Boatwright's Jambalaya that enjoyed it the shrimp and grits. So there's definitely plenty of options for you to check out uh, at this restaurant. Then, of course, I went because of the desserts. And the Mississippi Mud Creme Brulee did not disappoint. It was absolutely delicious. Um, it took me a little bit to get used to because at first it just tasted like chocolate pudding. But then I really started to enjoy it the more I ate it, um, especially with the fresh fruit. It was just Really good, really enjoyable, a very good creme brulee. Probably, in my opinion, um, the second best creme brulee on property. The only one that really, I think, was better, and they don't have it currently, was California Grill used to have seasonal, or not seasonal, but specialty creme brulees, which were delicious. Um, they ha don't have that in the current menu, but I'm hoping after they do the 50th dining, they bring it back because... Their creme brulees are incredible, but this one was really good. Highly, highly recommend. Um, the ambiance at Boatwrights isn't anything spectacular. It just fits in with the restaurant. Service is really good. 
Um, but really the food is the star of the show. So I have it at 27 out of 96. Good value, really good food. It's the only Cajun Disney restaurant or maybe the only Cajun restaurant on Disney property in general. So I really enjoy it. If you're looking to have a little bit more of a relaxed meal, not feel so pressured, um, like such quick turnaround time with the food, Boat Rights is great. Service is great. Ambiance is fine. But overall, it's a really good restaurant. Now let's move over to entertainment news. Um, David Beckham's Save Our Squad debuts on Disney Plus November 9th. No idea what that's about, but something new coming to Disney Plus. Um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid Roderick Rules debuts December 2nd. Um, Watch the trailer and... I never grew up with Diary of a Wimpy Kid, so I don't really know what to expect out of it. Um, no idea. But maybe if you're a Diary of a Wimpy Kid fan, it'll be for you. Some uh, some big-time uh, names that we got in some projects. Harrison Ford is confirmed as Thaddeus Ross in Captain America New World Order. There were some rumors floating around for a few weeks, so I didn't want to talk about it until it was confirmed, but it appears to be confirmed. And then over in the Mighty Ducks Game Changer series, Rich Eisen, um, which is a popular sports reporter, analyst, whatever you want to call him, um, was in episode three as a cameo. So that was pretty cool. That show honestly is – don't sleep on it. I mean I enjoyed season one, but season two is really good. Um, To me, it, it feels like the original Mighty Ducks in a more modern way. It feels like it has a lot of the charm that the original did. So if you're not watching it or you haven't watched season one, catch up because you're missing out for sure. Now I got some. I got a TV show review and I got a movie review. So I'll start with Disney+. Plus. She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Um, it's finished. <laughs> um, I... There, I, there, people are on all ends of the spectrum with uh, She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Some people hate it. Some people love it. Some people don't know how to feel about it. Um, I don't want to say I hate it, but I wasn't a fan of it. Now, there's a lot of reasons why people have not necessarily enjoyed it. For me, I think the biggest thing is storytelling. Um, I don't think that this show had any true sense of direction and some people like that, but ju- that just wasn't for me. Like I personally am someone who prefers a more grounded story um, that we can see throughout each episode. I was okay with some filler episodes early on. Like through the first three, four episodes, I was enjoying it. I thought it was fun, but then it just felt like at times like, okay, what's the purpose here? Um, and yes, episode eight with Daredevil coming is incredible. By far one of the best Marvel Disney Plus episodes there is. Um, And even the finale grew on me. Like at first, I hated the finale. I hated breaking the fourth wall. Um, I didn't realize though, because I don't, I've never read the comics, that it was true to the character. Um, And after rewatching a second time, I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. But really, the lack of storytelling kills me uh, or kills the show, in my opinion. Um, I like the humor. I think at times it's a little overboard um but overall i think the humor works really well i thought tatiana maslani is an incredible she hulk slash jennifer walters she's a great addition to the mcu she you know her character works really well um 
I don't think they personally set her up for success. I think this show could have worked better if each episode we got a, we kind of had like different cases and we could see uh, Jennifer Walters' character battle each case. Um, so for me personally, I, I did really like her character. I just wish that they gave her a better story. Um, Nikki and Pug were great. I thought they were really funny. Really liked them in the finale. Um, I wanted more of them. Um, but the story just, it just didn't progress for me. And it's not that it's a bad show, but when you compare it to other, other Marvel projects, I'm going to take the other Marvel projects where there is a story. And that doesn't mean that the action has to be, you know, always there. Like WandaVision is one of my favorite projects of all time. And WandaVision for the most part doesn't have any action in it until the very last episode. And I actually enjoyed that. I didn't even think we needed any much action in that last episode. Um, I would have been fine if it was handled differently. So I just would have liked better storytelling personally. Um, wasn't a big fan of breaking the fourth wall. And also, I just didn't think She-Hulk looked that great for a lot of the season. It seemed like as the show was progressing, her, um, her the visual effects of her were getting better, especially by the finale. But for a lot of it, it's just, it was, it was distracting. It was, you know, watching it and trying to like take it seriously while understanding that there's some really bad CGI going on. Um, I gave it a 5.5 out of 10. I wanted to really like it. I thought parts of it surprised me and some parts did really, did things really well. But there was just certain, like Titania's character really didn't, I didn't care for her. Um, some of it just felt very silly and I just, I couldn't get with all of it. So if you liked it, I'm happy that you enjoyed it. I am very excited to see She-Hulk in the future and see Jennifer Walters because she really does help you relate to her um, as a fan of the, you know, of the MCU. I just wish her the storytelling was better overall for the movie. Um, and there is talks of a season two of... Uh, She-Hulk Attorney at Law potentially being renewed for season two. So maybe there's some optimism for myself personally there. Now, another movie, or next thing that I'm going to review, a movie that we saw was Halloween Ends. Growing up, I, I was always a big fan of the franchise. Really enjoyed the original Halloween, of course. I'll be honest, I don't remember much of the sequels. Um, I remember watching Halloween uh, H2, H2O, I think it was, and then Resurrection. Um so, like, I grew up, you know, I'm one of the few that actually really enjoyed the Rob Zombie uh, remake of it. The 2018 version was great um, of Halloween. Halloween Kills, even honestly, after rewatching it, wasn't that bad. But this movie, Halloween Ends, is just downright terrible. I mean, I rated Bodies, Bodies, Bodies of 0 out of 10 at the, you know, maybe four months ago. And this is coming, this comes close to how bad... Uh, bodies, bodies, bodies was. I mean, you you sideline your main character in a in what is the grand finale of the franchise. Um, Michael Myers' character is treated extremely weak and just like just not done really well. You don't really see much of him. Um, I hate. I really hated every character, honestly. Um, not to say that the acting wasn't done well, but the writing was bad. Lori's character I didn't care for in this movie. I didn't get how 
she goes from being like this paranoid, obsessed individual with Michael Myers to not caring at all. Um, Allison's character, who is just, I, I don't know. She, like, is so protective of her grandmother and now all of a sudden doesn't care. It just felt like they threw everything from the first two movies out the window. Um, it, it just didn't work. The action scenes, to me, like, there's the one scene where it's, like, Michael and this character, Corey, like, teaming up against someone. And it feels like a WWE match. Like, it's just so bad. Um, how this was an idea just baffles me. I get the idea of if you wanted to take the route of like, um, it's not Michael Myers that's evil. It's what the the holiday of Halloween does to people. Um, that would have worked if you started that from the very, like from the 2018 version of the movie. Um, I think they tried to do it a little bit in Halloween Kills and parts of it worked. Um, parts of it worked well, but a lot of parts of it didn't. And it, I think it needed a more seamless approach. Um, and I still think you could have done that while Michael Myers is still playing a bigger part of the movie. Um, so I was really disappointed. I gave it a one out of 10, just an awful, awful movie. If you're a Halloween fan, you're going to be disappointed. So don't even bother watching. And if you're going to watch, just watch it on Peacock. Don't waste your money. Um, but anyways, I said earlier in the show, Lindsay and I have finally booked our wedding. Um, we're booked for March uh, 16th, 2025. It's super exciting. No, you're not having a Disney wedding. Um, so don't even have to ask. But I wanted to, you know, a friend mentioned to me, like, I should talk through what we did for our proposal. Because we did make I made it very Disney-oriented. Um, and then give advice for future people who, you know, you need your boyfriend, whatever, to propose. What are some engagement options? Um, figured this was a good time to do that. So I proposed to Lindsay uh, February 11th of last year or uh, this past February. Um, I proposed her over at the beach at Disney's Polynesian Resort. Always, you know, that's always been like a special place for us. So... Um, that to me was a no brainer, wanted to do it right in the beach, facing the grand Floridian as the backdrop and would not change anything. Really loved where I did it. Um, I told her that I was just taking her out for Valentine's day and had a surprise meal, which was Ohana, which actually I was going to take her there, but I was talked out of that. Not by her, by a friend. Um, and I just went for it. <laughs> Uh, one of the most nerve-wracking things I've ever done. But um, proposed there, and then um, after that, we went and actually had dinner at Disney's California Grill over at Disney's Contemporary Resort, which is a was a perfect place to eat after the proposal. Um, having that nice, elegant of a meal, being able to watch fireworks from there, you just can't beat it. Um, and... California Girl is that type of restaurant that you only have on special occasions anyways. So it just worked really well. Um, what Lindsay didn't realize after that is I actually had contacted her parents and my family and I planned a fake birthday party at our apartment. So that way when we came back from dinner, uh, everyone, both of our parents, her parents and our friends uh, were all waiting for us. And we you know got to celebrate there after. So that was really nice because 
Lindsay had no idea. Um, and then to continue the surprise is the following morning we ate at Ohana. And then um, I surprised her with a stay over at Disney's Coronado Springs Resort at Grandestino Tower, which uh, was great. You had everyone come over, hang by the pool and everything. Then ate at um, at Three Bridges at uh, Villa Del Lago, which is I love that place. Um, not just for the fake the sake of that, but it's just a great restaurant. Um, but it does mean something a little extra special doing it that weekend. And then Lindsay and I just hung out, you know, had Dolly Lounge. So that's kind of my little proposal weekend. What I did. Um, we're not doing a Disney wedding, but I thought it would be really nice to kind of have that proposal. We could include a lot of Disney um, without being too cheesy and doing the parks or anything like that. So I'm going to do my top five engagement locations at Walt Disney World property and my top five engagement meals on Walt Disney World property. Property. I'll start with the meals um, as like you could propose at these places, but these are also really great places to um, – like I did eat after or whatever the case may be. Um, so if you're thinking like, Hey, you know, I want to be proposed to, and I need a place on Disney property or, um, you might be looking to propose. Here are some options that I would give. So number five, I'm extremely bit, uh, biased because I love this place to death. And it's where originally I was going to take Lindsay is Ohana. I love Ohana. If you're more like, we like to think we're casual people and, we don't always need the fancy fancy, and but you want a really good meal with great vibes. Ohana just works. It's the best restaurant in the world, in my opinion. Um, the vibes are great. You get, you know, if you get for dinner during fireworks, you get to see the fireworks. Um, so personal preference there. I would have still loved to eat there uh, our engagement weekend, but it is what it is. Number four over at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort is Narcoozies. Um, Narcoosies we eat at we ate at recently for our anniversary, and surprisingly, a great place to eat has really good firework views. Um, very like there's not many people that can eat at the restaurant, so it's just very like intimate. Um, it's like elegant yet still a little casual at least for Grand Floridian. So, um, I think it's a great place to eat. You know, kind of gives you that feel like you're in the monorail loop, but also like feels very relaxed. Number three is Topolino's Terrace. Great restaurant, one of the best on Disney property and one of the newest. Um, this is located over at Disney's Riviera Resort. So you don't get the firework views, um, but it's just an elegant, nice resort uh, restaurant with really good food. Really good ambiance. And then you have the bar area outside. So you just have a moment to go grab a drink outside. It's just really pretty. The views are really nice. Um, it, you know, does a really good job of having that, like, elegant feel. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with Topolino's Terrace. Number two is my only park one. And it's La Hacienda de San Angel during fireworks. Um, it's just an incredible restaurant. I think that... The vibes during fireworks are immaculate and it allows you to have a special moment with your significant other during dinner, being able to just see the fireworks in that view. I mean, it, it's the ambiance there is still so relaxed that um, it's not your typical park restaurant where you feel like it's very rushed and, 
you know, you, you feel like the whole restaurant shuts off for fireworks and it's just amazing. And the restaurant's beautiful. So, um, even if you're not getting engaged, it's a great place to eat, but my number one, it's where we went. I don't think I'm biased in this. I just think it's the best place for engagement meals is California grill. It's elegant. You get the magic kingdom fireworks. Um, the service is top notch. The food is top notch. It's an excellent place to eat. Um, it, Tends to be probably the most popular restaurant at Disney World uh, for engagements. So you can't go wrong with California Grill. Now, my top five locations, um, my number five, I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to throw you guys a bone and give you one in the park spot. Um, I personally would not propose in the park um, because it's just too crowded and it doesn't feel as special because it's so overdone, especially on Main Street. But I would say Snow White's Wishing Well at Magic Kingdom Park. This is a little bit over to the side. So it's like a side entrance towards the castle. So um, you avoid a lot of the crowds. Uh, it's a good picturesque spot where you can get the castle in the backdrop. Um, if you're going to do it at Magic Kingdom, maybe try there where it's a little bit, you get a little bit more different perspective, a little bit more intimate um, while still getting that feel of like you proposed to Magic Kingdom. Number four would be on the sand at Yacht and Beach Club over, um, yeah, Disney's Yacht and Beach Club. Um, on the sand with the backdrop of the boardwalk. I'm not like the biz, like biggest boardwalk slash Yacht and Beach stand, but I know a lot of people are, and it just works really well. Um, you kind of still get that similar vibe that I got at the Polynesian. Um, instead, you get it with the boardwalk backdrop. So, Number three, California Girl during fireworks. Um, if you're okay proposing in a restaurant or you want to go outside after dinner and do it while everyone's lined up for fireworks, that's another good spot. The views are incredible. The food's great. Um, it's definitely a top notch type dining. So you're going to get something really fancy. Um, it was a, it was something that I like very quickly contemplated. It's not something I wanted to do, but more of like a, Hey, if it rains, this is my backup plan. Luckily it did not rain. But if that's your vibe, I mean, totally go for it. It still works. Number two, I actually think is a great spot. Um, and if the restaurant meant more to me, I think it actually would, or more to us, it would work really well. But the patio of Narcoosies at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort. The patio is so relaxed. And I mean, during fireworks, yes, you have a crowd and you might not be able to get the picture you want, but it still can make for a really like intimate vibe. Because you're only it's only the people that are at the restaurant that are out there. Um, and you get a really great view of the fireworks and you're at the Grand Floridian. I think if you want like a really cool... Because, I mean, granted, people propose all over Disney's Grand Floridian Resort. If you want something a little bit more unique and different and out of the box, I think that's a great spot. But number one, I'm sticking with Beach at Disney's Polynesian Resort. I loved it. I would not change it if I could. Um, it was great. We were on our own outside of the one naked dude running, uh, jogging on the beach it was just frustrating me. Um, but it was nice. We got a little clap from people hanging out in the beach chairs, but just a memorable moment. You know, obviously one of the best days of my life. Um, and yeah, it was great. You know, don't steal my thunder. Uh, if you're going to do it there, but you know, it's a good spot to, to propose. 
Um, but anyways, if you have any questions about stuff like this, this was a, a topic that was requested that, you know, maybe I should talk through this stuff in case people are interested. And obviously it's weird for a guy to be talking through some of this stuff, but um, just some ideas for proposal places, engagement meals, um, if you're in that boat, I guess. Um, anyways, this is my last episode for two weeks. Um, I will not be having an episode next week as we will be sailing Halloween on the high seas uh, on the Disney dream. Um, so I will be MIA without cell service and I'm so excited. So, um, I'll post a little questionnaire on Instagram at journey into Paul's imagination. If you have any questions about like proposal stuff, engagement stuff, or my experience of what we did, let me know. Um, or if you have any questions or something that you want me to catch on my first Disney cruise, um, don't be afraid. I mean, there was a point where I, you know, I'm, I've never still, you know, up until Monday, well, I've never been on a Disney cruise before. So I'm more of the type of person where like, I'm not going into here, like looking everything up. I think I want to be surprised about some stuff. Um, I don't want to know what the ship I obviously know what a lot of things on the ship look like, but I don't want to know the layout before I've gone. Um, I did that with Disney's Vero Beach Resort, and it was nice. Like I knew exactly what to do, but there was nothing that surprised me there because I knew everything that there was to do. Um, I'm not trying to have that experience with the Disney Dream. I really want it to feel fresh and different, so I'm excited to experience it, come back and share Um in two weeks, because we are going to have a, I mean, we're going to have a packed episode with special guests talking all things uh, Disney Cruise Line, Disney Dream, and I cannot wait to share it. And uh, hopefully Disney doesn't um, doesn't toss out too much news, that way I have to discuss that as well. But anyways, um, enjoy the week off without Journey, a podcast episode of Journey into Paul's Imagination. Um, I'll be posting as much as I can on Instagram about my cruise up until I lose service. Um, but yeah, I will see you all in two weeks when we talk about Disney Cruise Line.